Got a brand new bundle, baby girl, in my life. Learning how to be a dad and try to help my wife. Every day goes by, I get down on my knees. Oh, sweet Lord, won't you rescue me, rescue me, rescue me, rescue me. What is up, everyone? We are back with Dad Rescue. I know it's been almost a two-year, no, I'm sorry, almost a three-year hiatus, and it has uh, been a whirlwind of a life. I tell you that much. Uh, you always hear that. <clears throat> you always hear that your life's going to change when you have a kid, but you do not expect it to change that much. Uh, so much as to where you get caught up doing just about anything and everything for that little one and for your family um and then you just time slips away from you and uh then well you're sitting down looking about three years later uh trying to start that podcast up again so here we are uh we are back a lot has changed um since the birth of ryan and since the uh last episode of this podcast um so yeah, we are we're going we're going to kind of dive in. Um, and we'll have some more guests on. Uh, we actually moved to a new city, a new location. So um, I'm still friends with the same people I were that I was uh, friends with down in Leesburg. Um, and you know, but we got some new friends up here, some more uh, new dads, some even newer than I am dad um, that we're going to have on here and uh, just have a good time and kind of ping pong and go back and forth and stuff. So that will be soon to come uh, on some future episodes. Uh, but I, ha I do have some stuff written down that uh, I kind of want to dive right on into as far as, um, you know, having Ryan. We ended up having Ryan early. Um, I know last time on the last episode of the podcast, it was, I think we were... 30 weeks, something like that, um, on the last episode. And Ryan ended up coming early. Uh, Ryan, sure enough, um, Hannah had to get wheeled into an emergency C-section. Um, everything is fine. Obviously, Ryan is uh, kicking and getting after it. Her little two-and-a-half-year-old sassy self looks just like me, acts just like her mama. It is a uh, scary, scary thing that you get yourself into. Uh, they always say you pay for your raisin, and uh, well, I, I I'm getting payback from how <clears throat> how I handled uh, and treated my parents when I was little, and uh, I think we're getting the same from Hannah too. So, um, I do have some clips here uh, that I'm going to share with you guys um, that I took while we were in the hospital because silly me thought while I'm in the hospital I'm still going to have time to do this podcast after Ryan is born. And uh, clearly that was not the case. So I do have some clips that I'm going to play for you. Um, and so I will play those and then I will hop back in right after that. So here we go. All right. So we are sitting here in the delivery room. Don't know if we're going to have a baby this evening or tomorrow or not. But figured I'd go ahead and... Uh, take some time to make a little recording here while we're in the process. So I was at school today 
and Hannah decides to text me. Says, "Hey, I just don't feel quite right." So I'm like, "All right, no big deal, no big deal." She goes, checks your blood pressure is elevated. That is a sign of labor. So end up coming home from school after football practice and stuff, and uh, we head on up to the hospital and. Her blood pressure is indeed high. So, guys, just know that that is a possibility that at two, three weeks early, it can still happen in the blink of an eye. Like I said, still don't know anything yet. We are just kind of waiting around here. It is, uh, been here about, mm, I don't know, maybe about an hour. That's my wife flushing the toilet there, so... I reckon uh, that's all for now. All right, so we are sitting here. Got settled into the room. They just put something in Hannah to induce her, I reckon. Got the Braves playing here in the background, and now it's a waiting game. Put the uh, server deal in her about 45 minutes ago and said it takes about 12 hours. So... It's just a waiting game. It's uh, about 11.30 here in the evening, so I'm going to go home, get some rest, and I reckon we'll be back at it bright and early in the morning. So day two of the laboring process, sitting here with my wife and my mother-in-law in the hospital. Hannah's bouncing on the ball trying to get some kind of action to happen. And, well, we're watching a rerun of the Florida and Michigan game. So you know how thing, how bad things have got to be for me to be watching Florida football because that's just, well, friggin' disgusting, right? So, yeah, we're just uh, hanging out. Last time we checked, she was 1.5 centimeters. So we've got to get to a whopping 10. For you people that are not math folks, she's got to go 8.5 more. Um, and well, she was at one yesterday, so we're moving at a whopping rate of 0.5 a day, so it could take a while. Um, hoping that it doesn't, though, so we can get this little girl out of here. I'd love for her to come out today because, ironically, today is National Daughter's Day, so how cool would that be, right? But I'm excited, right? Listen to uh, some Brett Young lady on the way up here, kind of got me in the mood from a little girl coming, so... You know, looking really, really looking forward to this. You know, hopefully my wife doesn't scream too much, but you know, never know. It's a, it's a crazy world with, with COVID and everything, and you know, so it sucks that my mom can't be in the delivery room. However, our room does have a nice view of a courtyard. I told my parents bring lawn chairs; they can sit up, and it's like they're part of the delivery. You know, Hannah says the windows of the hospital don't open, but I've proven her wrong already with that. So. I don't know if they're supposed to open or not, but they do. So, all right. Well, we will keep you all posted. Adios. So, after hearing those clips and uh, letting my wife hear them, she so graciously pointed out that um, high blood pressure is not a sign of labor, um, but a sign of preeclampsia. So, uh, she's like, well, if you would have asked a medical professional, you wouldn't have been having to... Uh, sit here and correct yourself on your podcast. And I'm like, okay, well, I know that now going forward, I will consult the medical professional. So, um, yeah. So now that you guys kind of heard a little bit, um, about our couple days in the hospital before we had Ryan, um, 
I'll go back and start with the um, original recording that I played there for you uh, when I said I was at school. Literally, I was at school. It was after school. We were dressed up. Um, I coached middle school football down there in Lee County, and uh, we were getting ready for picture day. And Hannah called me, and she's like, hey, I think I need to go to the hospital. And I was like, okay, well, can you hang on one second? Because I really want to be in the team picture this year. Um, <laughs> so we uh, we ended up taking the team picture. I left, went home, took her to the hospital, um, and they started monitoring her. Uh, and the whole time, you know, I just I had this calm about me. Um, I don't know if it was – you know, I know it was the good Lord telling me everything was going to be okay. You know, I wasn't nervous. It was a couple or three weeks before Ryan was even supposed to be here. But I just had this calm about me. Um, and so we hung out there. Uh, luckily for us, um, my wife is a midwife. And uh, so she delivered all the babies down in Cordell at that hospital. And so she had worked with those uh, L&D nurses and stuff, and hers was the only practice that actually delivered at that hospital. So it was very cool because with her actually delivering at that hospital, she knew all the L&D nurses and the midwives and all of that. So when we went in, she kind of got a little bit of special treatment. You know, that was, that was cool. We didn't have to go in through the ER and do all that. We just went right up to the floor. Um <clears throat> So that part was definitely uh, nice and, you know, not near as stressful as it could be for um, some other people and might be for you. Um, so we went up and, uh, you know, they're taking care of her, hooking her up to all these monitors and everything. And they just kept monitoring, kept, kept monitoring her and, you know, had the monitor hooked up on Ryan and everything um, on Hannah's belly, like a belly band kind of deal. And um, nothing really happened that night. Um, they, I think they tried to start inducing her. Uh, that evening, I believe, is when they um, gave her the Cervidil and stuff and tried to start inducing her. And um, so she ended up staying the night in the hospital. Um, you could say I'm a bad husband or whatever, but I went home um, and stayed at home that night. But uh, I had to get all of our stuff because we didn't have our go bags or anything like that. So um, I went home, got that, came back the next morning and was there uh, pretty much all day with her. Her mom and dad had come down. Um, Oh, we had talked to my mom and dad, and they were going to come down, but they're like, well, you know, being it's in COVID, only um, one other person other than the mom and dad is allowed in the delivery room. So my parents were like, well, you know, we're not going to come down. We'll come down, you know, when she goes into labor and stuff and when after y'all have her so we can see her and everything because um, they were really strict on that. You know, as I, I understand it, am I happy about it? No, but at the same time, it is what it is. And really and truly, it ended up not even mattering who was able to be in the room with us because uh, they went to do a Cook's catheter on my wife, and uh, she ruptured, and we had to get rushed into an emergency C-section. So um, Hannah's mom was in the room, and she was going to be in the room with us uh, for delivery, but then we ended up having a uh, emergency section. And so, you know, it, it ended up, it was just me and Hannah and the doctors and nurses in there. So um, even during that time, though, I will say I just had a peace about me. I knew everything was going to be all right. You know, um, the nurse anesthetist and uh, anesthesiologist and stuff and I, we were cutting up and going back and forth, you know, during the, during the whole C-section process, you know, and I think that helped kind of keep Hannah and myself both um, cool and, you know, not freak out and stuff, which 
Hannah really wasn't freaking out anyways because she does C-sections and stuff like that. She's first assist and all that um, with C-sections, you know, on the regular. So she knows how all that stuff works. Um, <clears throat> I did ask if I could look over the curtain. And uh, the nurse and ethicist told me, he said, well, you're a pretty big guy, but I think I can catch you. Um, <laughs> but so I ended up looking over the curtain and stuff, took a couple pictures, um, didn't pass out or anything. So it was uh, it was cool. But then, y'all, when Ryan came out, she was the cheesiest little baby. Oh, my Lord, it was hilarious. I can I, I still have the pictures on my phone. Um, it looked like she was just covered in this white cheese, kind of like queso that you get at a Mexican restaurant. Um, I forgot what they call that. I can't remember, um, right off the top of my head, the name of it, but, uh, she was just covered in this stuff. And so they got her bathed up and, uh, or they got her wiped off and then handed her to us. And, um, so that was, that was pretty much the whole delivery part. Um, you know, dads, I will say this, uh, be ready for anything. You can think you're going to have a smooth, um, you know, traditional delivery and everything. And then all of a sudden, it can flip and change and you go into an emergency section uh, because that's what happened with me. Um, <clears throat> I'll say this, if that does happen, just you got to be able to just roll with it um, because you are not in control. Uh, I know with myself, um, I you know like to be in control or at least have my hands um, on the controls of everything at least a little bit um and not really relinquish control but if that at that time and place you are you have to give it up uh, because the doctors and nurses and providers know um what's best for that baby in the majority of cases i mean you know you hear cases all the time where it's not necessarily um handled properly but uh that's why i would say find you a good doctor find you a good practice that you like going to that is uh, going to give you the best care and that you trust and then at the end of the day you just got to trust them and let them do um what you know what they need to do and what they're supposed to do and stuff so uh we will take a quick break and we will be right back gotta give a shout out to our sponsors whether you're a barbecue pit boss or a weekend griller oh boy do we have the rub for you presenting the one and only pixie dust headquarters in the great city of canton georgia pixie dust is a local favorite dry rub that everyone enjoys Look for it soon in a grocery store near you. Perfect for all your piggy products. And we are back. So uh, thank you to our sponsor there. Um, so we've pretty much talked about uh, the delivery process and, you know, kind of going into the hospital, thinking things we were going to have go as planned and then them not and then having a C-section and Ryan coming out and stuff. Uh, so now I'm going to talk about the first night in the hospital. It was not the easiest. Um, obviously, you have a tiny human who's used to being inside of a nice and quiet, uh, warm, snug womb, and now they're out in the world. Um, the biggest thing that uh, you can help do is just help keep mom comfortable, um, keep mom and baby comfortable, the nurses, if you have good nurses, which I'm sure you will, will try to help the baby as much as possible. Try to keep her or him uh, swaddled nice and tight. That swaddling actually helps them. Um, it, the, the tighter it is, the better because they're used to being, you know, kind of constricted in the womb. Um, and so now they can all kind of flail their arms and legs about. So if you keep that tight, uh, it does end up working better. I will say this have a variety of pacifiers 
that is a big thing. When we went into the hospital, we had the cute ones. Um, you know, I've said before that my wife is extra and she's bougie and all that, which she is, and she'll, you know, she'll admit to that. But at the same time, cute always isn't the best. Uh, you know, we had this really long nippled pacifier that was just basically a little cylinder um, with no shape really to it, and Ryan could not stand it. Um, and that was the only kind we had brought. We brought like four of those because we knew she would like those, or at least we thought we knew she would like them, and she didn't. So she was not happy that night. Uh, once we finally found out that it was the pacifier she didn't like and we changed that up, that was a big help, uh, you know, as, as far as doing that and everything. So we changed them out, have a couple different pacifiers, you know, I would say three or four different kinds uh, different name brands. Um, Ryan ended up really liking the Nook. I think it's how you say it in UK um, pacifiers. And we also went with those bottles also because the nipples and the pacifiers kind of resemble themselves. And the nipple actually um, resembles a mom's nipple more so than, you know, other bottles. And again, this is not a plug for that. I'm just telling you what we used and the luck we had with it. So <clears throat> once we figured out that, you know, she didn't like the certain pacifier and we were able to switch her over to another one, it did make a big difference. Um, and so, you know, Hannah's trying to breastfeed and everything, and she was successful with that um, when we were in the hospital a little bit. And so when we went to go home, I think a couple day or two after that, I'm not exactly sure how long we were in the hospital. It's kind of a blur, to be honest, uh, sleeping on a twin-size sleeper chair in the hospital that rolls is not the most uh, comfy thing and not something that you necessarily want to remember. So, um, but once we finally went home and stuff, you know, we got her, uh, got her in the car seat, everything. She passed her car seat test. I will say this, going back to the testing, I have had trouble with my ears since I was very, very young. I've had five surgeries on my ears as far as tubes go and removal of tubes and placing patches over the holes in my eardrum from the tubes that didn't hold that didn't heal correctly and then this past summer I actually had another surgery on my ears where they put another tube in my right ear because this time last year I legitimately lost hearing in my right ear um so we had that done um so Ryan had her hearing test and the first time she did her hearing test she failed it and in my mind I'm like okay this is not good. I have trouble with my ears. I want to make sure that, you know, she is okay. And this was just a fluke, her failing the test. So we immediately had them do it again and she passed. And so that was, I was able to, you know, kind of exhale and breathe there um, because I was nervous. You know, I know that I have had trouble with my ears and I know what that's like going through life. And I did not want the same thing for her. Um, so luckily she passed all of her tests, all her APGARs and everything. The APGAR is a test that is taken at one minute after birth and then at five minutes after birth. And it's a score, um, you know, that the child has to receive a certain – it's scored on a basis to where a child has to receive a certain score to kind of tell how they're doing outside the womb. Um, and in rare cases, you know, uh, they will do it again at 10 minutes. But So, you know, she passed all her APGAR. She passed her car seat test where they put the baby in the car seat and kind of measures vitals to make sure that they're going to be able to survive in the car seat um, on the way home and everything. So – uh, we I roll up in the Tahoe. They wheel Hannah out in a wheelchair. Hannah's holding Ryan in the car seat, already strapped in. We clip her in, and we head off down the road. Um, you talk about 
driving as careful as possible. I'm always a pretty cautious driver, but when you've got cargo like that in your vehicle for the first time that you're responsible for, holy smokes, that was the longest 45-minute drive of my life. Um, and, you know, Hannah's in the back seat, you know, the whole time talking and singing to Ryan. Um, I will say this, dads, if you are trying to decide between a car seat or a baby infant carrier or something like that, I will say this. The infant carrier is the way to go. I'm not going to tell you which one to go get. Okay, I will mention later on the one that we have and the one that we used, but an infant carrier is the way to go. You can use a car seat, rear-facing and everything, that's fine. However, with that infant carrier, it's like you can pick the car seat up and tote it with you. Um, and I think most people nowadays go with the infant carriers because they're so versatile. You can clip it into your car. There's a base that sits in your car that's strapped in that you literally just set the base on and it clips, or you set the carrier on and it clips into the base. You pull a lever, you pick it up, you take it out, it clips into your stroller if you have a certain stroller, if you have like the same name brand, baby carrier and stroller. Um, when you go in places to eat, you don't have to worry about holding your baby. You can leave them in that infant carrier. So that was definitely um, nice and a plus as well. So uh, that's a little plug for that. Um, so when we got home and everything, um, I had a very, very sweet friend of mine who I was teaching with uh, made us a handmade bow, pink, pink and white bow, and uh, had it tied up on our front porch when we came home. Um, Hannah loved seeing that. That was a um, that was kind of a surprise for her. So, dads, I, de I definitely recommend um, doing that. Maybe so that your wife can see it when you get home um, and then take it down. I know I left it up maybe a day and then I took it down just because the world we live in is a uh, can be a very crooked and cruel place, and uh, letting basically your entire neighborhood or anybody that you know drive the drive or anybody that you don't know that drives by know that you have a newborn at home. Um, you know, I, I'm not going to elaborate that on a lot, but I, I necessarily didn't really like that, so I took it down. But I was definitely thankful for that very sweet friend of mine who made that bow for us and everything. Um, and Hannah definitely enjoyed seeing it whenever we got home. Um, so now we're going to talk about whenever you get home for the first time. When you get home for the first time, everybody wants to come over and see you, mama, and baby. Um, and now I guess it's a little different than it was when we had Ryan, because when we had Ryan, it was during COVID, like I stated earlier. There was only one person allowed in the delivery room. So Hannah's dad hadn't got to see Ryan yet. My parents hadn't got to see or hold Ryan yet. And so as soon as they got home, as soon as we got home, Hannah's dad and mom and my mom and dad came over um, to visit with us and see Ryan and everything for the first time. And it was so sweet um, just seeing mine and her parents holding something so tiny and think that, you know, that's kind of how they held us uh, when we were little. So that was definitely cool. Um, I'm blessed to have the relationship that I do with my in-laws. I know some people aren't as lucky. Um, but my parents and my in-laws get along terrific um, together. We take family vacations together with each other um, in the past, and we're, we've already got another one scheduled. So, you know, definitely lucky on that front. Um, it, makes it, a, it makes your life and your child's life a lot easier 
if your in-laws and your parents and both sets of grandparents get along. Um, and luckily, I was the same way growing up. Um, you know, both my sets of grandparents, all three of my sets of grandparents actually, you know, still got along. And so um, that was very nice. So let's talk about breastfeeding and kind of go into that. I know um, in some episodes before, um, Ian and I kind of talked about breastfeeding and we had planned on Hannah doing breastfeeding from the get-go. And it was very, very trying on both of us. Not just on mom, but on both of us. Um, when you go and your wife or baby mama or whatever, the mom of your baby starts to breastfeed, okay, I'm going to tell you this. Have your child checked for a lip, tongue, and or cheek tie. That is huge. We struggled for a month trying to breastfeed Ryan and Hannah pumping after she would breastfeed and using the haka after or while she was pumping and while she was breastfeeding. And my wife struggled so much. And we think that was due to the tongue and lip tie that Ryan had. And if you don't know what that is, you can look it up to kind of get a more visual picture of it. But basically, your tongue can't go all the way to the top of your mouth um, because the piece of skin underneath your tongue is still it's still connected to the bottom of your mouth. So imagine if you can take your tongue and put it to the top of your mouth and push up. If you have a tongue tie, your baby cannot do that. Okay, that is difficult for feeding purposes, especially with nursing. Another one is a lip tie. So I believe it was Ryan's upper lip that, again, that little piece of skin that's on your, that holds your lip to your gum, right? Hers wasn't detached at the bottom. And so she could not get a good seal on Hannah's nipple and nurse. So when that happened, she was getting very, very little milk. Well, Hannah's body told her, well, you don't need this much milk. We're going to start drying up the milk supply. And that's what happened. Hannah would pump for, I don't know, 30 minutes a time, like every four hours. And she was getting maybe four ounces a day. And that was very, very grueling on Hannah. And when it's grueling on your wife or your spouse, it's going to be grueling on you too because you're there trying to coach them up, trying to help them out. And it's just, it's, it, it sucks for lack of better terms because they can't supply the milk that they think they need or that your baby needs. And then sometimes they feel like a crap parent because they can't provide for their baby. That's what happened to Hannah. And I know she would be okay, and she is okay with me sharing this with you. But she had a hard time because she was thinking to herself, I cannot provide enough food for my baby. You know, I'm a crap mom. And she told me that. She's sitting there just sobbing. And I'm like, Hannah, it is okay. Like, it's not your fault. And after we figured out about the tongue and lip tie, right, 
we were able to kind of go back and Hannah kind of calm down a little. She realized it wasn't all her fault, right? That she wasn't providing enough milk and food for her baby. So it, you know, you just, you've got to be there for your partner and you've got to support them. Now I will say this, if your wife does breastfeed, okay, you get a pump and I helped Hannah. I was up the entire time she was up, for the most part, when she was breastfeeding. And then even when Ryan was eating throughout the night, um, we kept Ryan in a little uh, baby bassinet right by the side of our bed. I know before uh, Ian talked about they had one that was a dream sleeper or something like that that actually went in the bed. Um, Hannah and I did not do that. We had Ryan in a bassinet. Um, that it, it sat next to your bed. It could actually attach to your bed if you wanted it to. Uh, they make them that are swing away, so they actually attach to your bed frame. And then you can push them, and they have like an arm, and they swing away. Um, you know, so that was nice to just be able to scoop her up, feed her, burp her, put her back in there. Um, but so when, when Hannah was breastfeeding and when she was pumping, you know, she would wake up in the middle of the night, would breastfeed Ryan, and then she would go to pump after Ryan ate. And I would get up, and I'd walk through the hall, out of our room, through the hall to the kitchen, and get the cups and everything in the bottles that she breastfed with. And about the first two weeks, every single time we did that, we had three sets of bottles and um, basically attachments, I guess. So three sets of them. And so every time I would have to assemble a new set, bring them back to her. And then after about a week or two weeks of doing that, we were told that you didn't necessarily have to wash them every single time. They make this bag that you can put all the components in. You pour the milk out, obviously, and pour it into a bottle to keep it. But all of your other components, you don't have to clean those every single time. I think you can go like up to 12 hours with using them, you know, a couple different times within 12 hours. So we'd put them in a bag, throw them in the fridge, keep them cold. Um, that way the milk, didn't, the milk that was left on it didn't sour or anything like that. And then we could get them back out, use them again. Um, and so... We did that uh, for, like I said, a couple weeks, and then uh, actually washing the parts every single time, and that sucked because you're asleep, you wake up, and you go and you have to do this stuff. You have to wake up enough for your brain to be able to function to do this stuff, and then you turn around and you got to go back to sleep and wake up in three or four hours again and do it again. Um, and so having Ryan, you know, right there next to us, it was easier. Um, Hannah and I have talked. And if we, if God blesses us with another child, that child's going to be in their crib, in their own room by, I think we said, I think we were talking about it the other day and we said uh, two months. I'm shooting for a month, if that. Yeah, I would love day one, just go ahead and go straight into the crib and get them used to it. But at the same time, although that is nice, at the same time, it is also difficult because when you wake up in the middle of the night to feed the baby... You can't just grab them out of the bassinet next to your bed, feed them, burp them, put them back in there. You physically have to get up, walk out of your, you know, out of your room into their room, feed them in their, feed them in the rocking chair or whatever chair you have, burp them, put them back in there. So it requires a little bit more out of you, but I think at the same time that is going to be better for your baby because they're already getting used to staying in the crib. Because Ryan stayed in the bassinet for, I think, four months. Uh, honest to God, I think it was four months that she stayed in the bassinet in our room. And that was just too long. And looking back now, we both agree that it was too long. Um, and 
she ended up sleeping longer. I swear, y'all, she was waking up like every two, three hours to eat um, when Hannah was breastfeeding. And then we found out that, you know, she wasn't getting enough milk. So once we switched over to formula, game changer. That child would sleep four or five hours at a time, wake up, eat, go right back to sleep. And so it's all about finding out what your baby needs. Every baby's different. Every single one, right? Ryan had a tongue, lip tie, wasn't getting the milk she needed. She needed a certain type of formula. We got it. She did great. If we have another one, that baby can be completely opposite, right? Um, and I will say this, support your wife and in, in, in whatever she wants to do. If she wants to do formula, support her. If she wants to do try to breastfeed, support her. If you want to combo breastfeed with formula and supplement, support her. Because, guys, it is emotionally draining on these women as they have a baby. And I say that with the utmost respect to the moms because there's no way I could do it. I'm telling you, there's no way. And Hannah is one of the strongest women that I know. And to see how emotionally draining it was on her lets me know how rough that it can be. So um, that is, I think, all I got time for right now. Um, I do have a definitely long list of talking points uh, going forward here. So next time, let's see what we're going to cover next time. Let me get this pulled up. We will cover, uh, we've already covered the birthing process, C-section, all that good stuff, uh, breast forwarding formula. We talked a little bit about an emotional mom, um, and we talked a little bit about the, uh, we talked a lot about the tongue and lip tie. Um, I will hit this one more time on the tongue and lip tie. In order to find out, if you go to a doctor and they say, no, they don't have it, go get a second opinion. It is so common. If, if they're having difficulty feeding, if they're not having difficulty feeding and everything's fine, then don't worry about it. Um, and just keep on rocking with what you got. But if they're having a difficult time and you go to a doctor and they say, oh, no, they don't have it, go get a second opinion. The same thing happened to Hannah's cousin, Right. We told them about the tongue and lip tie. Um, their baby was not eating well. They went and had a check by a doctor. The doctor said, oh, no, there's no tongue and lip tie, no tongue and lip tie. And they went and got a second opinion. Come to find out, it, she had a tongue tie, a lip tie, and a cheek tie. So doctors make mistakes. Okay, We like to think that they don't, but, I mean, it's inevitable. They're all going to make mistakes at some point. All right. So get a second opinion um, if you feel comfortable doing that. If you don't feel comfortable doing that and you want to stick with the pediatrician you got, then that's fine. Um, I will say we used a pediatric uh, dentist that was up in Atlanta, and it was phenomenal. Um, you have to do exercises and everything with your baby as far as um, you know, mouth and tongue and lip exercises after they do it. But they held Ryan. They didn't hold Ryan down. Hannah held Ryan. They put these little glasses on her. Um, Hannah wore glasses. The, the dentist wore glasses. And they actually took a laser and just zinc, zinc, and cut those little pieces of skin. Um, and then Hannah had to sit in the floor, you know, with Ryan a couple times a day and run her finger underneath her tongue and into her lip to where they don't grow back because they can grow back. Um, so that is a um, that, that's a definite. Um, possibility that you want to 
avoid at all possible if you can um because i don't know about y'all but our insurance did not cover that procedure it wasn't too expensive and you know you'll do what you got to do for your child to help them out but at the same time if you can help prevent it from happening again you definitely want to do that and not have to worry about paying for that again so um again that's all the time we got for now um i thank you guys and ladies if you're out there listening to i thank you for tuning in and uh we will be back with you next week Have a great one. Bye-bye.